0: Boys, the internet uh, hate you this week, Jeff.
1: Yeah, no, well, yeah. I mean, for a minute, they hated me. They just, I'll, I'll I'm will i angry. I'll rant <laughs> later. I don't, okay. like, can we, do we need to start this with me being angry? Can we just,
0: <laughs> can, we, can well, we just be, ca- can can we start it with uh, just uh, some of the comments there? Uh, <laughs> I mean, some of these are great. Uh, the, I, you don't have to be angry, but I want to uh, at least go, uh, go over go what the people are angry at you about. Uh, I'm, I'm looking at some now. Uh, dumbest take of the century so far. That's pretty mm-hmm. strong. Right. Uh, not inviting Jeff to a party anytime soon. No, geez. you're probably not sad that about one. that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, um. But uh, this one though, I, I this may be my favorite. It's sort of like the dumbest take of the century so far. But uh, it. it it gets you twice you've written some really dumb stuff recently but this one takes the cake so it's like yeah. this is bad but you're always bad
1: right no that's yeah it's nice nice, nice to know people are reading stay yeah <laughs> at, the, at the bottom of the show I'll, I'll handle this don't worry all
0: right gamble on fellas gamble <laughs> on Welcome again to Gamble On, the weekly gambling podcast presented by usbets.com. I'm Eric Raskin, U.S. Bets Managing Editor and Media Director, and I'm joined by my co-host, U.S. Bets Senior Analyst, Jeff Edelstein. This week on the show, we say goodbye to both Texas Dolly and to Texas's hopes for gambling expansion this year. We'll talk about Fanatics gobbling up points bet, and we'll make some desperate moves to try to turn around our pitifully shrinking betting bankroll. Turns out winning at sports betting is hard, Jeff.
1: I mean, it's a lot harder when it's not NFL season, and, and that's something I'm sure that our guest today would agree with. Oh, yeah, our guest, Adam Levitan from Establish the Run is with us, talking fantasy. He's talking some parlay stuff with us. He's also talking his about his unexpected role as a giver of sex advice. Uh, but first, Eric, as always, plenty of news to discuss.
0: Here's your Gamble On News of the Week, an
1: inside look at the biggest stories in the world of gambling.
0: Let's start the news section this week with a shout out to our colleague, Matt Riboltowski, who, along with you at SBC last week, Jeff, got wind of some big sports betting business rumors and worked his sources and got the scoop two days before it became official that Fanatics was on the verge of buying points bet in one of the biggest acquisitions slash consolidations we've seen yet in the u.s sports betting space here are the details that we know of the deal that was announced sunday night uh, on the fifth anniversary of paspa falling in fact it was announced fanatics betting and gaming is paying about 150 million dollars for PointsBet's bets u.s assets only while PointsBet bet holds onto its canada and australia operations as part of the deal fanatics takes over the media partnership with nbc universal the first part of the deal is expected to be completed around August 31st, which would mean in time for football season. And clearly the main attraction here for Net, for Fanatics is the market access, something PointsBet has in 14 states, including a lot of the biggies Fanatics isn't currently licensed in, such as Pennsylvania, Illinois, Michigan, New Jersey, and of course, New York. Uh, When we talk about fanatics, we always find ourselves hitting on the topic of whether this is the upstart that can challenge FanDuel and DraftKings. Off of this news, Jeff, is this the upstart that can challenge FanDuel and DraftKings? And the floor is open for any other thoughts you have on the deal and on the impending end of the points bet brand in the U.S. I'm pretty upset about
1: the impending end of the points bet brand in the U.S. because... uh... I, I mean, For me, honestly, personally, they've always been first with Oscar markets, like like mm. eight months out. Uh, and their pricing was always soft, and they didn't update their odds quick enough on Oscar markets. I've cleaned up on Oscar betting on points bet. Uh, I, I'm sad to see that disappear. I mean, I got everything everywhere all at once at plus 1400 Eric. That's, that's, a, yeah. that's a good price. Nice. Uh, and as far as can Fanatics going to challenge DraftKings and FanDuel, I mean, I, you know, probably not. I mean, can they challenge BetMGM, Caesars, and Barstool? You know, for like that second tier, for sure. Uh, Maybe one day could they be considered part of the big three? I mean, sure. Uh, I mean, they're also facing challenges from Bet365, Mm who they've done well in Ohio, which is really the first state where they've really put any effort into. Uh, You know, DraftKings and FanDuel have huge market advantages right now. But worth noting, five years ago when this little experiment started, nobody thought DraftKings and FanDuel were going to be the leaders. So, you know. How about I'll give you the old shrugging shoulders emoji and we'll take a wait and see attitude here.
0: That's fair. The the, the old check back in five years and I'll know more sort <laughs> right. of approach. Um, I've been sort of on the skeptical side all along about the fanatic can challenge the big boys hype. But, um, you know, off this, I may be coming around just just because of the New York thing that yeah. this flips it from. They're on the outside looking into now they're one of the nine who's in in New York, or I shouldn't say now, but soon enough they will be. And, you know, they'll probably find it hard to make a lot of money in New York. But in terms of prestige, brand recognition, overall handle and revenue and all that stuff, you got to be in New York. And now they will be. I guess I should have seen this coming, that they would buy up some second tier book and get into all these major states it should have been obvious. And it seems like it actually was to a lot of people, just not me. Um, I think Matt Rybaltowski even made this, his bold prediction like a year or so ago, when Smiley was rounding up some bold industry predictions, mm. he specifically said fanatics will buy points bet. He really, really nailed that one. I don't know if that was a uh, total uh, dart throw that hit, or if he kind of knew something and hurt, had heard whispers already knowing Matt and his connections, I'll, I'll, I'll lean toward the latter, um, But Um, Yeah, on the on the losing points bet front, um, as a sports better in Pennsylvania who uses points bet, um, it's it's one of the four sports books that I have an account with, which I know I should have 10 or 12 accounts, but I don't we can discuss my failings there another time. Um, But uh, points bet is the one that I added like a year and a half ago, as soon as they came to Pennsylvania, I added them because they offered something different because I wanted to try my hand at points betting, Um, you know, points bet has its flaws as a mobile sports book. A lot of people complain about getting limited there. That hasn't happened to me, um, which partially says something about my mediocrity as a better. Um, I've noticed their odds often stink. Uh, their, their same game parlay odds are particularly terrible. Uh, I only do SGPs there with the free bets that they give us uh, that, that have to be used on SGPs. Um, but I do enjoy points betting. Uh, it's, it's a whole different approach, different kind of sweat, We'll talk about it more when we get to the bankroll segments since I have uh, something up my sleeve on that front. But I, I just want to note that I'll be a little bummed if Fanatics ditches points betting, which I assume Fanatics will. Um, I, I don't know that it's a big moneymaker. They would need to rebrand it. I'm kind of guessing that goes away.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, it is... Uh it, it yeah you know, we'll talk about it a little bit later during the bankroll segment, but it no it's a it's a it's a different way to bet uh I wouldn't jettison it if I were them you know maybe i'd I'd put it on on the shelf and figure it out like what they want to do with it right. but it's something you know it's something that no one else has, so you know that that in and of itself seems something that you know could be valuable right
0: yeah um i hopefully they'll keep it around we'll see uh, I will go ahead and make a prediction if if kind of an obvious one. I predict Fanatics is about to start hiring a lot of talking head talent. uh, And and they'll do the streaming network thing. Uh, You know, they're they're inheriting PointsBets shoulder programming deal with NBC. I would expect by the start of football season, we hear a couple of big names in sports media getting hired by Fanatics uh, to be betting analysts for Fanatics TV or or, or whatever it's called. Um, and, And then this isn't really a prediction, but just an observation that, you know, Profits-wise, getting entry into Pennsylvania, Michigan, New Jersey, now they can take advantage of the online casino opportunity. So, uh, you know, not not sure if you've heard this anywhere, Jeff, but uh, iCasino is where the real money is.
1: That's what they say. Yeah, and you know, and as far as the New York thing goes, you know, uh, you know, it's it, as far as making profits there. You know, it's tough. Obviously, it's gonna be hard. Right. But you know, you got to you got to be there. You're they're headquartered there, like you know, you have to be in New York. You know, as Frank, Frank Sinatra famously said, you know, if you can make it there, you can make it in most cities in America or something to that effect. I'm not sure what the lyric was.
0: Right, right. That's that's ringing a bell. The, yeah. uh, that lyric. You're you're close. You're in the ballpark. Um, yeah. I guess we should talk for a minute about the uh, that fanatics uh, buy any item get a bonus bet promo that uh that jamie salzberg spotted and that you uh you shared in the work slack uh, this was just uh this morning thursday morning that uh this came out there um jamie salzberg a responsible gambling guy he was noting that he found it troubling in terms of potentially reaching an underage audience with marketing for sports bets um I certainly think it's smart in terms of using the sports book to sell merch. A perfect example of how they can cross sell. I don't know if you have any uh, quick, instant reaction type thoughts to. Was well, the opposite? Thing. It, it, they're using the merch store to sell the sports book. Right, right, it's yeah, yeah. right. It's not. It's 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 still a cross sell, but it's not the one we all envisioned, I guess.
1: Right, right, no, yeah. It's up to five hundred. You spend up to five hundred dollars on their on their merch site, and they'll get they'll give it back to you in a free bet. Um, I mean. I think it's smart on their part to do that. I mean, it does, you know, I I don't think it's hurting anybody and and you, all right, so you're reeling someone in, but you really are giving them it's it's a free bet. It's it's it looks to me based on the little bit of research I've done so far on it, a free bet. It's not a risk-free bet kind of thing. You know, it's a free bet. Right. right. Here's five, you know, here's a $500 free bet. You win, you win, you lose, you lose. Uh, I don't know. That sounds good to me.
0: Yeah, I guess the question is whether they can sort of control the online marketing of it to only logged in customers over the age of twenty one see it kind of deal. If they if they if they can control that part, right? Um, then then I can't really see any particular objection to it. Yeah. All right, uh, Jeff. Before we get into our next news story, uh, I'm curious. Are you a sunglasses guy? You strike me as someone cool enough to try the sunglasses indoors move, or or maybe just hungover enough. Cool enough and hungover enough. All right, well, I'm definitely that
1: hungover, uh, and I'd like to think I'm that cool, but I, in truth, I'm, I'm probably not that, that cool, though. But I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll give it a whirl next time I'm, I'm inside at a you an know, event and see how it goes.
0: Okay. Well, for any of our listeners in the market for sunglasses, uh, specifically suited for the outdoors, although I guess you can wear them inside if you want, you got to check out Shady Rays. They have premium polarized shades, customizable snow goggles, and much more. Shady Rays is an independent sunglasses company that offers durable frames and extremely clear optics for your outdoor adventures
1: and the one thing i love about these guys is their protection program you lose your sunglasses you break your sunglasses you sit on your sunglasses yeah throw your sunglasses out the window doesn't matter they're going to replace them whether it's been a day a year it doesn't matter they're gonna replace them for you for free and uh, there's also no risk you buy them you don't like them 30 day money back guarantee you can return them get a new pair get your money back whatever you like
0: not to mention, uh, you'll feel as good as you look when you shop with Shady Rays, as uh, to date they've donated over 20 million meals to fight hunger with Feeding America. It's good to uh, shop with a company like that.
1: For sure. And uh, exclusively for our listeners here, Shady Rays has given out their best deal of the new year. Go to ShadyRays.com. Use code ROTOGRINDERS for 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. Try for yourself. These shades are rated five stars by over 200,000 people.
0: All right, let's move on to our second story, and it's a sad one. A titan of the poker world, uh, in fact, the man known as the godfather of poker, Doyle Brunson, died Sunday at age 89. Doyle was an old-school Texas road gambler who graduated to the biggest games and tournaments in Las Vegas and around the world. He won 10 World Series of Poker bracelets, tied for second place all time, including the main event in back-to-back years in 1976 and 77, both times holding the 10-deuce on the final hand, leading it to become known as the Doyle Brunson. He was instantly recognizable for his cowboy hat and his big smile. He was a true ambassador of the game, an icon who remained competitive well into his 80s. And I might have thought with my background in poker journalism that I would have had to do most of the talking here. But then your Twitter feed reminded me, Jeff, that you wrote a couple of years ago about Doyle Brunson's influence on you. So uh, I'll hand it over to you for your thoughts on the great Texas Dolly. Yeah, back in high school, I started playing poker with my friends,
1: you know, and like like most things I do. And this has continued on to today. If I'm going to do it, I'm like going all in. No pun intended. Um, So that's great for things like work and family. You know, not always great for things like, oh, you know, gambling and gin. But, uh, but yeah, I went all in on poker as a kid and, you know, being that this was the late eighties, I'm old, you know, there's no internet. So I had to go to the library if I want to read up on poker and I found Doyle's book according to Doyle at my, uh, mall Walden books, shout out Willowbrook mall. Um, and it's not a poker tutorial at all. It's a, it's a book about like his life and times and like lessons of being a gambler. Uh, it's an awesome book. It's still on my bookshelf, uh, today. It's made it through every purge of books that I've done over the years, Hmm. Uh, and it just, you know, and I wrote about it, you know, it was like life lessons from Doyle Brunson, you know, I mean, listen, he was, he was a, clearly, I never met the guy, obviously, I, I only know him through his book and what I would see on TV, but clearly just a, a, a true American hero, really.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, speaking of his books, I have not read uh, that one that influenced you, but uh, he's best known for Super System. And uh, the whole Super System thing is fascinating. You know, it's this strategy book uh, that he wrote in the late 70s, and poker people told him he was crazy to share his secrets, but he made a lot of money selling that book. And then he was smart enough and versatile enough to reinvent his own game playing off how people would now be playing against him Uh, eventually this became something every poker player had to deal with you know everyone's whole cards were on tv and every star player was doing tutorial books and videos and giving away their secrets but but doyle was the first and um super system is kind of like it's it's the the dark side of the moon of poker books in that It's always hovering among the bestsellers week after week, year (laughs) after year, 45 years after it came out. It's still I just checked on uh, on Amazon and it's still up there. And I guess it probably a sort of it got a boost from uh, from his death, of course, but uh, still still up there in the top 10 poker books. Um, I only met Doyle once and it was nothing at all memorable. Uh, I just met him at a poker tournament I was covering in 2005, introduced myself, handed him a copy of the magazine, said, nice to meet you. He was cordial. The whole interaction couldn't have lasted more than 30 seconds so uh, I I have no stories about Doyle but I felt like I knew him from watching him on high stakes poker among other shows but that one in particular you understood why he was so successful in getting lesser players to play against him he, he just had this this charm and charisma and this affable quality at the table he could Take your money and you wouldn't mind. And, and, and that's one of the true arts of poker that was so essential for so long, but, you know, has become less essential in the tournament era and in the online era. But back in just the the old school cash game era, you had to make people enjoy losing to you. And, and you totally could understand just watching Doyle on TV for an hour why he was so good at that.
1: Yeah, I, I would have liked to have lost to him i would have
0: too <laughs> yeah yeah you'd have a story to tell that's part of the the idea of i mean moneymaker talked about that last week how people sometimes like to lose a big pot to him or try to win a big pot from him just to have a story to tell yeah, for sure. um I, the the outpouring for doyle was was overwhelming and know, yeah, not remotely surprising uh but uh still in in poker he was pretty close to that unanimous approval rating um just so universally respected. And I imagine there'll be lots of tributes to him once the WSOP starts in two weeks. Um, His name is going to be invoked on every telecast. Um, And, and that'll serve as a reminder that one of the most special world series traditions is now gone. Every year. One of the highlights was when Doyle would get eliminated from the main event. This is probably for the last 15 years or so he's out. They make an announcement. The whole room stops playing. And applauds as Doyle tips his hat and leaves. There's nobody who's about to take that mantle of, of the beloved patriarch no. of poker. No, no,
1: no. Yeah. There's, There's nobody not, even it, close. It reminds me, you know, it reminds me of the Arnold Palmer at The Masters. Yes. Right? Good good parallel, yeah. You know, and, and no, nobody's there. By the way, quick sidebar here. He was yes. eighty nine. So mm-hmm. eighty nine, like not we're 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 past tragedy, right? It's eighty yes, nine. 89-
0: definitely not tragic. Sad, but what? not tragic. Yeah. Yes.
1: What age what, what's what's the age right now where, where it's not too soon? Hmm. Where, where you know what I'm, I'm saying gu- I'm going to
0: safely say anything 80 and above, you can't call it a tragedy. Uh, yeah. But, but the number could even be a little lower than that because I think it's you higher. wouldn't you think it's higher than that? Cause, I mean, let's put it this way, 75 and up too even soon. no. Well, I, but I was going to say you don't say he was so young. No,
1: you don't say he was so young.
0: I think once you hit, I think under 70, you can maybe right. squeak it, squeak in a young.
1: Too young, it's right? Gone too soon.
0: Right, but yeah, I'd say the '70s are the gray area, and then the '80s are the okay. He lived a good long life. That's that's where oh. I, I that's where I'm drawing the line. 69 and un, under too young, 80 and up, not a tragedy. '70s sort of sort of hard to call. It, case by case basis for your '70s.
1: Depends on how hard a life you lived, you think?
0: Yeah, how much you accomplished, how good your right. life was. Yeah. That's 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 where I land on it. But you you seem to be thinking it's possible to go in your 80s and still have people say it was too soon.
1: I think, yeah, I think I I think if you're early 80s, I I still think it might be. Well, maybe not. I don't know. I'm just I'm just getting older. I'm trying to push this number as high up as I can go.
0: (laughs) Well, yeah, and and who knows which direction uh, life expectancy will go by the time we reach that age range. But, uh, right. you know, I, I, what, is, what is the current life, ex, you know, average life expectancy? Not, not to mention male versus female, not exactly the same. Sure, sure. So I don't know. If you could guarantee me right now, I'd make it past 80. Or or I guess it would be if you could guarantee me right now, I'd die at 80. Do I take that deal? Wow. I don't know. I'm I, not saying I, I do. I'm I saying I got to think about it. You're not taking it. I'm not taking that. 85? You're taking 85?
1: Shit. 85. Uh, you
0: know what?
1: I No. I, let's, wow. I'm, you're I, so... I, I, I'm, now, I'm on card <laughs> sharks. Higher. Higher.
0: <laughs> this is the ultimate gamble. I'm definitely taking 85. And, and let's also remember, those years past 85, they're going to suck.
1: You're, so, well, not you're, for everybody. You're wearing a you diaper.
0: Know. Know. Not
1: necessarily. Not for everybody. All if right. I, I, if I If I'm healthy – if I'm healthy, well, I'm yeah, but you can't guarantee that. No, I know, I know. All right, at ninety, I guess I'll freeze that card. I'll sign up the <laughs> Okay, dollar
0: ninety. Dollar. <laughs> All right, uh, let's go on to our third story this week, and we'll stay in uh, Doyle's home state for this. Uh, Texas teased us again, Jeff. Last Thursday, the Texas House passed a resolution to send the decision of whether to legalize sports betting to the voters by a lopsided vote of one hundred and one to forty two. And two days later, the state lieutenant governor, Dan Patrick, who seems like a real peach of a guy, declared as president of the Senate that the legislation doesn't have enough support in the Senate. Specifically, it doesn't have GOP support, so it won't be voted on. Try again in 2025. Uh, Meanwhile, a separate bill to legalize casinos in Texas died on the House floor Friday, lacking the support to warrant a vote. And the bill's sponsor, Rep. Charlie Guerin, said he doesn't expect this casino bill to have enough support in 2025 either, meaning we're talking 2027 at earliest for Texas casinos. Uh, And by the way, while we're talking about states not passing anything, Missouri, as expected, has officially failed to legalize sports betting after a fifth straight session of trying. Uh, But back to Texas. Uh, Some are saying they're encouraged by the progress this year, even if nothing got done. Are you among those feeling encouraged, Jeff?
1: No, uh, this is so off-brand for Texas. You know, I thought they were big, bad Texas. You know, all that Texas swagger, second in swagger only to New Jersey, and they won't. They, they, seriously, and they won't. They won't let their citizens roll some bones, make a little bet. You know, come on, this is this is a bad job by Texas uh, and Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick. You know what? He seems like more. He seems like a dick, not a peach. We don't mince words here mm-hmm. at
0: the New Jersey headquarters. to gamble on, <laughs> all right? And Pennsylvania, we mince. Yeah, we mince, mistake. baby. <laughs> I've, I've never heard that uh, New Jersey is number one in those rankings and Texas number two. I haven't it seen is, those yeah. rankings, but uh, yeah. you would know. So, yeah, um, I I guess I'm slightly encouraged just in in the sense that you have to start somewhere. And, and Texas is clearly closer than, you know, Utah, you for starters. <laughs> but, but all, you know, Alaska, Hawaii, Idaho, the, the states that aren't even having the conversation. At least Texas isn't one of those states. Uh, so, This is all enough to convince me Texas will eventually legalize, at least sports betting. I'm I'm not as certain that casino happens at all. But sports betting, Texas will have that maybe in 2025, maybe whenever Dan Patrick uh, is out of office. But it seems Texas isn't desperate for the tax revenue right now. So, So until there's that desperation, it's doubtful the politicians who currently purport to be opposed will flip to being in favor. So I'm not optimistic about it happening in 2025 but it could but i am optimistic that it will happen in texas eventually
1: i guess but i mean this is you know a I, I, bad job by texas you know this is supposed to be like the most like you know tech they, they they're texas you know what i mean they're like right. they're, they're big bad texas and they
0: can't, <laughs> i love it you're like you're, that. you're trying to like provoke the state uh, you're you're sort of trash talking as if the state itself will will hear this podcast and, and respond
1: yeah that's what I'm aiming for. Okay. I'm
0: poking. I'm poking the Texas bear. You are. <laughs> I don't know that Texas is feeling your poke right now. <laughs> Missouri is actually the more frustrating one, just because they're That's so close, and right. and and one powerful guy. person in the right. legislature with some sort of stake in VGTs, whether emotional or otherwise, uh, is blocking it. Quite the political system we have here, where one person has the power to overrule millions of citizens who want something. And um, I, I guess this, this is where you cite that science fiction book, Jeff, where everyone yep. gets to be a politician except anyone who wants to be a politician. How's That's it go it. again?
1: That, that, yeah. If you show an aptitude for politics, you're not allowed to be a politician. Hmm.
0: Right. What What's the name of the book? I think it's Songs
1: of a Distant Earth, but it might be another one. It's an Arthur C. Clarke book. Arthur C. Clarke. Right. I don't yeah.
0: know. I, I don't read books, uh, as we've uh, perhaps established. Uh, I actually had an eye doctor appointment yesterday, and for like the fifth year in a row, they were like... You could switch to progressives if you want, but it's only worth it if you're finding yourself having trouble reading. And I'm like, uh, meh, I can see the TV and hear my podcast just fine. (laughs) What about the typing part, the computer? Yeah, it's not an issue. I I don't think I really need progressives is is the point. I definitely – in a restaurant that's not well lit, do I have to pull the menu back or even – take a picture of it with my phone and, and zoom that in. Sure. A little bit, but, uh, but the, the up stuff is not quite enough of a problem yet, but it's coming. It's the, the, day is coming. Yeah. The question, the question is, uh, you know, wh- wh- factoring that into the whole, give me up until age 80 and I don't need progressives until 60. It's, it's all part of the bargain. I got to figure it out. It's time to welcome a special guest from the
1: world of gambling. Let's get to the Gamble On interview.
0: We now welcome to the podcast a man who pursued a career in sports journalism, quickly realized he'd be a lot better off financially gambling for a living, and then managed to fuse it all together by becoming one of the most popular podcasters and content creators in the DFS space, currently plying his trade as a co-founder of Establish the Run. If you squint hard enough, he almost kind of sort of resembles the 12 year old boy in his Twitter profile picture. He is Adam Levitan. Adam, welcome back to Gamble On.
2: Thanks for having me. How's it going? The welcome
1: back. He had, he had to be reminded that he was on a couple of years ago. You know,
0: <laughs> it was the pre Jeff era. It's almost a different podcast.
1: P.J., P.J., you know, yeah. that's what we call it. But listen, Adam, let, let's start with the fun stuff. Listen, I met you a few years ago because on Twitter you threatened to write a book one day and I just cold messaged you out of the blue. We, you didn't know me. Say, if you're ever looking for someone like to edit the book, you know, I might be your guy. So eventually you ended up reaching out. You wrote Skin to fur. Uh, I'm convinced you hold a low opinion to me because of my Oxford comma, you know, <laughs> insistence and mania. Um, but listen, here's the question: that skin to fur book, which was, you know, basically a, a collection of your solo pod, you know, and the questions that people were asking you. Uh, you know, it was like maybe 35, 40 percent about fantasy sports, but the rest of it was about life in general. So here's the thing, man: it's one thing for like me to want your opinion on like $2,500 tight ends. But it's a whole nother thing for me to actually want your opinion, like on sex, like what the hell happened here? How did you become like the dear Abby of like the fantasy world? And like, when did you realize that your voice was going to carry like this?
2: Yeah, it's crazy. I, I never thought a million years that that people would want to hear my take on anything really, let alone life, Um, you know, which would suggest that I have life figured out in some way, which could not be, you know, further from the truth, I, I think it, it started because people are fascinated by thinking about life in a same way that you would think about gambling, you know, and I can't I can't stop. I mean, it, it's a real problem. Like as I'm walking around every day, I'm calculating like the EV on my time versus what I could be doing with my time otherwise. And, you know, I'm thinking about everything probabilistically, you know, like I'm, I'm in the refrigerator, I'm smelling the milk. I'm thinking, well, there's like a 10% chance (laughs) that I'm going to puke from this. There's like a 0.5% chance I'm going to die from this there, you know, but there's like a 90% chance I'm going to be okay. Should I drink it? You know, and like, it's, it's a hard way to live. I wouldn't really recommend it to anyone, but I think people find it, uh, funny and interesting. And so, I started answering people's questions about life. And I, at first it was kind of tame, you know, I was kind of worried about putting stuff out there that, um, you know, I thought it was funny, but I know a lot of people out there don't agree with me like that it's funny, people get offended and everything. But, I, you know, I I think people who grew up, I, the way I grew up, you know, pre-phone, pre-internet and, and think about gambling the way that I do, uh, connect with it. So, that, you know, there's not and overly that many of these people. But the people that are into it are, are like me. And it's it's been crazy for sure.
1: You know, you, you poo poo this thinking, you know, prob- probabilistically, whereas I I kind of come around way on the other side of that. Like because, you know, ever since I started playing DFS, I've been doing it now almost, I guess, 10 years. Like it has changed my thought process, you know, but it's, it's almost made it clearer. Like instead of like agonizing over decisions, I like basically like sometimes I even write it out like this is, you know, column A, column B. 51% says column A that's my decision and like that and that's Perfect. it it's like it's you know a little bit more clarity i think you don't see it that way though
2: I I do to some degree, but it makes it hard on people around me. I think, you know, like my kids don't want me to sit here and think about like, well, you know, we, we could, we could take, you know, we could go up 30 minutes to this playground, but, uh, but you know, the EV on my time, even though the playground's slightly worse, the EV on my time is the one that's five minutes away, you know, like, and so it's hard, I think for the people around me, for me, I agree to though, for me personally, I I couldn't imagine living in you know, another way that isn't more process-based than, than results-based. right.
0: Um, So I want to get your take on the evolution of fantasy and uh, specifically the evolution of what's the popular fantasy format. Uh, Traditional season long was the thing for a very long time. Then DFS rose up. Now best ball is all the rage. Can it all coexist and thrive? Or at some point does something have to give? Like, Like five years from now, are we in a place where either traditional season long is dying or DFS is dying or best ball proved to be a flash in the pan?
2: I think that there is room for all of it, but in different portions of the year. In other words, I'm somewhat skeptical that like the in-season best ball stuff is ever going to take off, you know, like, and I get that it's pretty popular now, but I don't think it's going to be like massive. I completely understand and agree that best ball draft only for the whole season is just going to keep exploding. I don't think it's a fad at all because the best part. Everybody's, dra- everybody's fantasy season is the draft. That, you know, that, that's the most fun. So I think that is here to stay. The uh obviously regular season long is like for sure here to stay because you know, like Tom from accounting, you know, he's always gonna play fantasy football, period. Um DFS, I, I think for people with an extreme competitive uh drive in them is always going to be uh popular like it's not it's not going away now is it plateauing maybe we found all the people who have this extreme competitive nature and really want to work hard and really 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 want to try to win and want to play for uh real money and play for a lot of money um maybe we've plateaued there but i don't think that dfs is going away uh by any stretch because there's so many people like me that you know i i even outside the money uh, aspect of DFS, I, I really do enjoy the the challenge of it and thinking about it and sweating it and and going over it and stuff. And so I, I think there's a lot of people out there that like me for that.
1: There's still nothing better than like building a lineup, spending all week thinking about it or something and then like putting one together and that last piece just drops in, you know, with <laughs> and you're you just zero out and just it just feels so right. You know, there's there's
0: nothing better huh, Jeff. That's it. That's that's top five. It's top five. It really is. (laughs) I was going to say though, I think I think even Tom from accounting has to be kind of sick of the trying to decide, you know, my quarterbacks on a bye week this week. And so who do I slide in there like uh, which of my eight receivers am I starting and benching this week? Like at some point, if Tom from accounting gets a little taste of best ball, his traditional season-long fantasy league may go best, by best ball format someday, right?
2: Uh Yes, but that would not... I think the in-season trading and message board posting and waiver grinding, I, I think there's a lot... Not me, but I think there's a lot of people out there that really like that. So, so yeah, I, I don't know. I think there's room for best ball drafting and then in-season, you concentrate on your in-season team. And I think people are pretty... I mean, best ball is the great example of people for results and process. Like once you draft your team, like there's nothing else to do. Like all you can do is just like check back into the, the year. So, so yeah, uh, I think that, that there's room for both those, uh,
1: you know, establish the run and I'm going to date myself with the reference here has become more or less the EF Hutton of the daily fantasy world. You know, when you guys speak, people listen. Um, I mean, you guys move markets clearly like, and so I, I guess I'm my cur- my question here is like, how does that affect you personally, in DFS play, like how, you know, knowing that what you're what's coming out of your mouth is going to like, might come back to bite you in the ass later.
2: Yeah. Um I'm well aware. I, I'm well aware of that, you know, and I'm kind of uh past the point in my life where I'm, you know, grinding so hard. And if I, and you know, if I have a bad year, it's like, you know, not good for my life or whatever, you know, that, that I'm kind of past that point. So my priority is certainly to do the best job I can, for ETR, the best job I can for people who follow us uh, and subscribe, you know, that's my priority by far rather than my own play for my own play these days, I- I'm trying to find games where I think ETR subscribers or people who know me are, are not, you know, and, <laughs> and, and so, yeah, I-, I think anybody who wants to gamble uh, should be thinking about game selection as their number one priority over everything else like nothing else matters, uh, if you don't get that right. And so if you look in like deep, dark corners of the internet on, you know, crappy websites and bad interfaces and no technology, there's often action there. And it's not the kind of action from people who are uh, know who I am at all. So, um, yeah, I, I, I like the challenge of that, of that too. So, for sure. Sometimes unavoidable. You know, I still, um, I know that like our underdog rankings are moving the market uh, a ton. And so that's hard. Um, and you know, there's not that many places to play like high stakes best ball and we're moving the markets there. So yeah, it's, it's, it's hard for sure, but, uh, I'm kind of, uh, in a good spot with it. I think,
1: I think that's the next your next book, by the way, the Adam Levitan's deep, dark corners of the internet.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I want to get your take on a, on a sports betting topic. Um, parlays, uh, they've provided some of the same appeal as DFS tournaments, you know, risk a little win a lot. And the sports books have gone all the way in on it. Do you see the sports books eventually pulling back a little on pushing parlays, like in the name of sustainability, or will they just keep going until everyone is broke?
2: See, I, I I actually think that they're not going to go broke because most of these people are betting five or ten dollars to win like you know five thousand, right? And like at five or ten dollars at a time, you know, once a day, you know, I all, all my friends, they all they they all are just firing off five dollar single game parlay, one a day, you know, and mm. they're they're gonna they're gonna lose, but they're not gonna lose a lot. It's not gonna affect their life. At all, so yeah. But when you have millions of those people doing that on FanDuel or whatever, like they're making a ton of money, a a ton of money. But for an individual basis, I actually don't think that people are churning out now. If there's people out there betting five hundred thousand, ten thousand dollars single game parlays, like those people are going to churn out, you know. But those people are going to punt it off anyways. They're clearly you know not just doing it for entertainment. And yeah, I, I I don't think this little into a lot craze is going to stop. And I don't think books are going to stop it at all. I mean, this is just human nature, you know, from the beginning of time. And so um, people will accept that they are 99.9% to lose. If you give them a 0.1% <laughs> chance, they're going to turn a little bit into a lot. They will. I've seen the lines for lottery, like that people will, will, will do that.
0: Right. Have you allowed yourself uh, to dabble at all and uh, take take a walk in those uh, dumb pipe dream parlay streets?
2: I haven't, I've, I've, uh, I've bet uh, parlays before and to be clear, parlays are not bad bets. If you are getting the correct payouts on them and all the legs of the parlay are plus EV, it's just really hard for like, you know, my buddies from home to find multiple bets that are plus EV, not that they care or they're trying to, but, but yeah, you know, it's hard enough to find one bet that's plus EV, but yeah, if I think I have two things that are plus EV, I think it's a good way to try to not get limited. I think that um, if you have two good legs and you're getting the right payouts that you could certainly bet um some parlays and like some of the hedging that I've done you know I've done a bunch of futures portfolios and like you know I had one going for NBA playoffs and so sometimes parlaying in in those spots to try to hedge off a little bit makes sense too so yeah I don't know I don't think it's like the worst thing in the world but um my bottom line is that if you're putting in bad bets and you're parlaying them it's just compounding your losses faster so I I I would hope people are aware of that
0: and and did you did you hear Jeff uh, what he was saying in there is it's possible to stop a parlay at just two legs
1: Say, yeah, I, 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 I I'm here, and fam- I'm done with it. I'm not familiar with that concept. <laughs> uh, I'll look into it. I'll have my people check it out. Um, last thing, real quick. You know, this is kind of a solo pod. I should probably just for the solo pod, but I got you here, so I'll ask you now. I don't think it was in the book. I don't think I've heard it on, on, on the pod. So, it, and it, uh, well, this is well-tread territory, like dating back at least when Harry met Sally. Uh, my question is this: Can men and women ever truly be friends, or will the sex always get in the way?
2: No, I mean, come on. You know the answer. <laughs> <laughs> I, I you know, I, I was it's funny, you know, I was uh ah God, I, I didn't like like I had this like therapy session and I had this take and the the, the woman is a the therapist and she did not like what, what I had to say about this, but <laughs> you know, for for me, I think it's 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 hard and you're you're balking at biology I mean the the reason that we're sustaining as a society and civilization is because men and women have opposite parts and are having sex with each other and creating babies like that and it's like it's at a biological level it's just impossible or really difficult I think to, to overcome so I'm not a good example for that I have like zero interaction with women i mean i'm down here <laughs> i mean i've been working in in sports and poker for 20 something years and i've interacted with some uh women but but not not many so i'm that's part of like the bit uh, uh people ask me these like women questions all the time in the pie i have no interaction with women people <laughs> all, always ask me uh, uh women questions I, I have like literally no experience no no uh you know other than my wife it's been you know 20 something years since i even worked with Work closely with a woman. So, yeah, I mean, I, I'm the wrong guy to ask. But if you want my honest take, it's it's very hard uh, for me to see a, a true friendship where deep down, deep down the guy isn't uh, hoping for something else down there. <laughs>
0: Do you, do you still do you still have any guy friends though because that's that's the running joke uh, in my household is my kids always make fun of me that oh daddy has no friends w- wouldn't wouldn't it be funny if you had a friend dad uh, you maybe you used to you claim you used to have friends do you did you retain any guy friends or oh. do you have nobody in your life but your wife and your kids
2: oh no party? no 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 guys love girls don't like me guys love me <laughs> guys guys ton ton of guys yeah yeah no i have we have a great crew here uh here in denver and uh and yeah i still keep up with guys from high school and college and people from philly so oh no guys is not the problem guys love me it's it's <laughs> it's girls that's the problem
0: Guy, guys like jeff edelstein who reach out to you over the internet to begging <laughs> dad at <edit> your
2: book.
1: <laughs> it was a little bit of a beg you know a little thirsty a <laughs> little thirsty yeah so
2: look look, Jeff started with the book. now he's got a, a a big time gig. He's got this big time podcast. Look at him. I, I owe it
1: to I owe it to Levitan. There's no question right. about it wow. no
2: exactly question. exactly. <laughs> I'm creating lives out here with sex jokes on the internet. <laughs> all
0: right, so I know I know who to blame next time uh, i'm I'm upset that Jeff is my podcast co-host It all comes back to you. Well, thanks for uh, carving out a little time to talk to us, Adam. It's always fun. Uh, thanks for coming on the podcast for whether you realize it or not, your second appearance.
2: Appreciate it. Yes. Thanks for having me. And I, I do remember being on the podcast with you. I thought this was something complete. I thought this was Jeff's. He didn't even mention, oh, do you want to come on with me and Eric? He just said, hey, do you want to do the podcast? I didn't even realize that this was going to be a, a, a three man. He just completely cut you out. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I see how it is. Yeah. yeah. But uh, Good stuff. Thanks for coming on. All thanks, right, guys. Adam. Appreciate it. Two
1: men. $10,000. Will they run it up or blow it all? It's time to check in on the Gamble On bankroll.
0: Let's update our betting bankroll. Uh, Yep. Yes, Jeff. We we do have to. (laughs) I know you want to say we just go quickly. There's a lot to cover here. I'll try. This was one of our worst weeks ever. We had one winning bet. My bet, yes, yes. We'll get. To, I'm saving that for last, so we end on a happy note. But right. uh, let's do the the lo- the losing bets, which are many. Uh, first, an old bet placed two or three months ago. I put fifty bucks on the Sixers to win the East based on my belief that maybe God wanted every Philly team to reach the finals and lose this year, but that God was overruled by the God who won't let the Sixers out of the second round. Uh, two weeks ago, you bet on the Defenders to cover a line of minus six in the XFL championship game. They lost outright. We lost $110, and uh, I don't know, Jeff. I'm starting to suspect you aren't an XFL-sharp. Yeah, go ahead. Keep going. <laughs> I'm definitely not an NHL sharp. I put $80 mm. on the Kraken to win the Western Conference at the plus Kraken. 475. Stupid Kraken. Uh, ah, the Kraken. Uh, all right, uh, back to the 76ers in Game Six versus Boston. I bet on Embiid to go over 30 and a half points. He was at 28 with five minutes to play, and he finished at 26. That's how bad we're running. (laughs) Um, we lost $104 on that one. Uh, more Sixers. You had a Sixers Nuggets game six money line parlay. The Nuggets won. The Sixers did not. We lost $100 on that. Your USFL parlay came tantalizingly close this week. The old two for three maulers and gamblers got there. generals lost narrowly to the stars, uh, stupid Philly teams, they only win when you don't want them to. Mm. Um, that cost us 50 bucks. My boxing bet, Akhmadov over Sims as a plus-120 dog, who I thought should be favored. It went the 12-round distance. I thought Akhmadov won seven rounds to five. The judges disagreed and gave a majority decision to Sims. We dropped a big ol' $150 on that. My baseball bet, trying to go against my crappy fantasy pitcher, backfired. I had White Sox over Royals in the first five innings last Thursday, and it didn't happen. We lost $104 there. But now the high note, our one win, he had under 10.5 runs in Mets Reds because of weather factors and Kevin Roth and all that, and the final score was 5-0. So thank you, Kevin Roth. Thank you, Jeff. We won $100 on that one. But for the week, we lost $648. We're now down by $2,851. We also have $990 on in Futures bets, and that leaves us with $6,159 available to bet with this week. And you are up first, Jeff.
1: All right, I'm going. I'm I'm diving into the NBA draft prop market here. I got two of them this week. First one, uh, the Rockets at number four, taking Amen Thompson, point guard. Uh, He's minus 110 on FanDuel. We'll get a little 100 bucks there,
0: straight up. Okay. And uh, and he doesn't have to go to the Rockets. He just has to go fourth. Yes, he to go number four. Okay. 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 Got it. So I'm going to start with a Nikola Jokic bet for Game 2 of the Western Conference Finals tonight. Uh, and I'm going to let you advise me on which way to bet it, Jeff, although I, I think I know what you're going to say. Uh, the the man is a triple-double machine, especially at home in Denver, and we can get him to post a triple-double as low as minus 120 at DraftKings, which seems like a good price. We could bet $120 to win 100 easy peasy. Or I looked at points bet, and they have a points betting market for Jokic points, times rebounds, times assists. If you want to bet the over, the number is 4,839. Now, what does that number mean? If he puts up a 27-15-12, we just barely go over. Anything less than that, we go under. Obviously, there are all different calculations. You know, what about a 32-12-11, a et, et cetera. Right. But anyway, using Jokic's crazy stat line from game one, where he put up a 34-21-14, that would have gotten to 9996 at a dollar per. That's a $5,100 profit. Um, I don't expect him to go 34 21 14 again, but he could. Uh, I wouldn't do a dollar per point, especially what if he turns an ankle in the first quarter. Then we're losing half our remaining bankroll. But maybe 50 cents a point? I don't know what. What do you think, Jeff? Go crazy and sweat every single point, rebound, and assist in multiplier fashion, or just bet the triple double for one hundred and twenty and be done with it.
1: Go crazy, obviously. Um, but I, also, if he does sprain an ankle, if he if he somehow gets hurt, we are going to we're we are going to take advantage of point bet, oftentimes, uh, you know, bad beat refunds.
0: Right. <laughs> so we're just assuming a, a bad beat refund. Nope. Okay, hundred percent. If if he doesn't play beyond the first quarter, we're just declaring now that that would be yes. a refund. Okay, yep. I, that's Bad a good approach. Refund. Is <laughs> 50, is fifty cents too much though? Is that too risky? Should so we go it's a little shorter? Money. I know, <laughs> no. but you know, we don't want to blow the whole bankroll. Maybe we go uh, a little, Maybe twenty-five yeah, look, cents. Sure,
1: sure. sure. All
0: right, all right. That's so. That's a. That's officially that'll be the bet. Twenty-five cents a point. Anything over forty-eight thirty-nine. All
1: right. Uh, next bet, another NBA draft prop. Uh, number five pick, Cam Whitmore of Villanova. Uh, the Pistons are at five. This is the price is plus four forty on FanDuel. DraftKings already dropped it to like two fifty uh, from four fifty. Put me down for a hundred bucks. I mean, this Whitmore guy. You know, I I, I couldn't have t- I could not have picked Cam Whitmore. His name, his likeness, anything out of a you know put two put. <laughs> have put two people in front of me uh-huh. that look like they might be NCAA basketball players. I would uh-huh. not have told you which one was who it, Cam Whitmore. Uh-huh. However, in my quick and dirty research, the guy is an athletic freak and is going to, like, he is the perfect player for the Pistons to team with Cunningham and Ivy. Uh, I, I honestly think that this is, like, a steal. Uh, I'm— a little gun shy because I've been losing, but so just a hundred bucks at plus four forty. I love this bet.
0: Okay, and yes, I had never heard of Cam Whitmore until you brought him up in your in your post draft odds article. Yeah. So uh, or post lottery, I should say odds article. Um, my second bet this week is uh, one of those early lock-ins. Uh, I sent it to you yesterday afternoon, yep. Yep. and uh, for the moment, I'm glad I did. Uh, I bet this in real life as well. The Heat to beat the Celtics in exactly six games at plus a thousand. Had the Celtics won game one, it doesn't look like such a good bet here today, but the Heat won game one, and now Heat in six is down to plus 440. My thinking was, I just watched the Celtics for seven games against the Sixers. They're very good, but very flawed. I am in no way convinced they should be a big favorite over the Heat. To me, throw out the regular seasons, these teams are playing on around the same level, and the Heat have the best playoff player of the two rosters in Jimmy Butler— So I thought the Heat at like plus 380 to win the series was good value before game one. But I prefer taking the big shot on them winning in six, basically needing to win one game in Boston and hold home court and close it out at home in game six or win both in Boston. But split in Miami. You get it. Uh, it Looks very doable to me now. So, again, I locked this in when it was plus a thousand under our recently added lock it in provision for the bankroll. Fifty dollars to win 500 Heat in six.
1: I love the lock it in provision. All right. I am going with Yuri Perez. I think I'm pronouncing his first name right. Uh, He's a Marlins rookie pitcher Uh going against the Nationals today, Thursday. Uh I want to ladder him on a strikeout prop. Uh, So get your pen and paper ready. Okay. Uh, $50 over four and a half Ks at minus 122. Uh uh, That'll win 91. Then $40 at over five and a half Ks at plus 186. For a 115 payout. Then 25 bucks at over six and a half Ks at plus three ninety for a 127 payout. Mm-hmm. Should we do one more? Let's do one more. Yeah. Ten bucks at plus eight hundred at over seven and a half Ks for a ninety dollar payout. All told we're risking 125 for a potential payout of 418. If he gets six K's, we profit.
0: Okay. I, this is fun. I, I don't actually know that I had heard that term uh, to ladder your bets before, but uh certainly. I understand where the term comes from. Makes sense. Yeah. Uh, so all We're right. Laddering up. Let's climb that ladder. Um. So uh, I have first Uh, here, I have a bet that wasn't on the outline. I just stumbled on this one Thursday morning. Uh, I was going to skip boxing this week, but uh, there's right. a big, big women's fight in Dublin Saturday. Katie Taylor's homecoming fight against Chantelle Cameron. Taylor, by decision, is like minus 130 at most books, which is a pretty good price, but it's minus 110 I saw at Fox Bet, and I have to jump on that. It's so far and away the most likely outcome. I won't bore you with the details. Just trust me. Katie Taylor, by decision, $110 to win 100 And, uh, and now the final bet. This one was on the outline. Our Kentucky Derby bet failed, but the system came damn close. The system the- worked. The it, yeah, worked. It pretty much did. The The horse you picked, based on name alone, finished second. So so let's try the same approach. I'm figuring, you know, just for 50 bucks on, on a horse to win the Preakness, are you ready yep. for me to read you the names of the horses? I am ready. All right. And this is interesting because only the horse that won the Derby is in the Preakness. So the others are all new names. Okay. So here we go. Uh, here we taking go. them based on uh, post position. Yep. And I won't say the odds. Okay. Just the names. Yep. National Treasure. Mm-hmm. Chase the Chaos, Mage, the horse that won the derby, Coffee with Chris, Red Root One, Perform, Blazing Sevens, and First Mission. Do right. you want to hear him again? Or to, yeah, or you...
1: no, I got, I, got, I got it. Okay. So number, number two, The Chaos. <laughs> okay. You know you have picked. The
0: long shot, the fifty oh, yeah? to one.
1: Yes, yes.
0: <laughs> so uh, fifty dollars times fifty uh, got a chance to win uh, twenty five hundred here. Let's do it. But basically, pull us right back to even if Chase the Chaos wins the Kentucky Shit. Derby.
1: I like it. Yeah, uh, or, or
0: wins the Preakness. I should yeah. have said.
1: Yeah, that's All the right. one that jumped out at
0: me. Chase the Chaos. Imagine what's a seven horse field? That's it. Uh, eight horses. Yep. Jesus, uh, what the hell? Yeah. Yeah, I th- but the Preakness is always a lot smaller, I think, than the Derby. But I don't uh, know if I don't know if it's always eight or if it's usually like nine or ten or something. Uh, clearly, I'm a big horse racing fan. Me too. <laughs> right.
1: uh, you chase the chaos. I mean, that's I like the name Chase. I know a lot of kids named Chase. My son's friends with a bunch of Chases. I like well, chaos. yes,
0: because yeah, he's right, friends I, with a lot of Chases because Ch- uh, they he was born, born <laughs> in the Chase Out era.
1: <laughs> yep, <laughs> a lot of Chases, a lot of Coles.
0: Yep. <laughs> Uh, all right, uh, that'll do it for this episode of Gamble On. Thanks, everybody out there for listening. And thanks again to this week's guest, Adam Levitan. You can find me on Twitter at Eric Raskin and Jeff at Jeff Edelstein. And follow US Bets at US underscore Bets. Go to USBets.com for all the latest news and analysis from the world of gambling. And subscribe to this podcast on Megaphone, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else. And with that, Jeff, please take us out.
1: Yeah, just read the goddamn stories, not the headlines, all right, people? Listen, <laughs> I, I, I wrote a column this week, and I'll admit, looking back, it was probably too cute by half, but I had two main points. One, there should be injury reporting in NCAA sports to avoid things like the Alabama situation, and two, the NCAA needs to amend their stupid, stupid, stupid zero-tolerance policy on any type of sports bet, even amongst friends, to avoid things like the Iowa situations, all right? Now, why? Because in mainstream media, these Things are treated as sports betting scandals, not the NCAA being idiots. We're the ones who are going to pay, right? So with this in mind, I trusted that people were familiar with the concept of a, quote, modest proposal, unquote. You know, (laughs) Jonathan Swift's satirical essay in the 1700s about on eating babies to solve the problem of poor parents having to care for them. And I said, hey, you know, maybe sports books should stop taking NCAA bets until such time the NCAA gets his act together, this was a modest proposal. Well, the headline that I wrote left out the satirical bit, and I was, as a result of like what appeared to be me advocating sportsbooks stopping taking NCAA bets, I quickly became the most hated man on gambling Twitter for a few hours. <laughs> yep. Read the freaking story, people. You'll note I said it was just a thought experiment, a modest proposal, and I do not think, did not think for one second that the sportsbooks should, could, or would do this. <laughs> It would be a clever idea to do it. It would force the NCAA's hand, hence the modest proposal. But as I said earlier, this thing was too cute by half. All right, this whole thing here has been more of a ramble on when it should always be and will remain a gamble on.